Ladies and gentlemen, Eric is boarding a spaceship to Mars. Check. Round control to Eric Roth. Nine. Nine. I'm so. I'm flying in outer little spaceman. <laughs> Welcome to Muggle Buddies. This is a podcast where we play through the itch.io bundle of racial justice and equality. My name is Alex Honnett. Whoa, and my name is Eric Taylor Roth. Whoa, the itch.io bundle for racial justice and equality was launched in June 2020 during the massive outcry for racial justice following George Floyd's murder by police. It has 1,741 items from 840 plus creators and it raised over $8 million. All proceeds were donated to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, as well as the Community Bail Fund. This is episode 21, and we have played 59 of the 1,365 playable games in the bundle. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, my friend Eric. Hey, Alex. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. I took a bath this evening. It's good to take care of yourself. Did you know that? You gotta take a bath at least um, once every now and again. Well, and it just rained, so I feel like you know some of that water is gonna burn off. We gotta we gotta use it now before it burns off. That's exactly right. You, we got bathing on the brain. Yeah, it's, insane in the bathe brain. Pretty insane bathing your brain. And I was reading a book of poetry. I was reading. Um, either way, I'm celebrating uh, by summer browning, and it's uh very good god that feeling of reading either poetry in the bath or right after a bath is like mm. it feels like a life hack it's so good um i've been talking to my therapist or i was talking to my therapist today about how i've been playing too many games and uh and so we've come to an understanding but well, i ca- i came to all the realizations he just he just listened and guided me with questions but that i need a little bit more balance so instead of like compulsively going to video games right now i'm going to turn to poetry a little bit uh you know for right now you know what i mean that's me snapping oh Good for you thank you i thought that that was me being disconnected again <laughs> the bundle will be there for you when you want to go back to it I'm not. I'm not leaving the bundle, buddies. I'm. I'm. I'm still. Eric, we've loved having you here, and we'll miss you. But I understand. But no, I'm, I'm not. You know what? You're right. <laughs> I'm searching for my new guest. This is now bundle. This is the bundle buddies search. Bundle watch. Wow, it's been TV, fun. TV watch. Goodbye. I Goodbye. only read poetry now. I have to go now. So I'm. <laughs> I'm going to start my own podcast and it's going to be about uh, rating people's poetry. Poetry cast, P cast. And uh, it'll have a smaller audience than this show does. I don't know. I think, well, that's true. Indie gaming and poetry is probably pretty comparable these days. Do you think that we could kind of merge the two? Um, If that's what you want, man, I'll support you. We'll have like a little poetry corner. Sure. God bless you. The other day, I was cycling between um, Magic the Gathering Arena, because the new set came out, and um, Rocket League, 
and apex legends and just like when i had a bad round in one i would just like quit the game out and go to another game but that i was like a heady brew oh my god i was cycling between them. like it was just like all right done with rocket league let's go to magic done with magic let's go to apex legends and just like i need to like stop that rotation a little bit you got to be careful yeah i mean that it's it's interesting because it's not really that interesting, but I feel like there are some games I'll play recreationally, but I have so much free time that I, I really like having this podcast because it forces me to play outside of my comfort zone a little bit and mm. not just go back to those games all the time. Yeah. And uh, sort of, you know, see what I think about these other things out there that uh, I probably wouldn't play otherwise, which yeah. is kind of the whole point of this whole thing. So it's it's working for me. I, I like it. Yeah. No, I do too. It's it was it wasn't these games that I was talking about that I need to. That's stay why away. the fact that you like it is why I'm going to miss you so much. No, I'm, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> okay, folks. Um, our guest this week is uh, Bird Words. Bird Words. Uh, he's a game developer and Twitch streamer who made the bundle game Ten- Temple Scramble that we played with John Thibodeau way back in episode seven. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is a fun episode. It's yeah, no, this is. Uh... He's got a perspective that is just totally outside of uh, your and mine, and uh, he knows. The best a way lot. to describe it is uh, informed. He knows <laughs> a fucking lot about uh, game design, and uh, it's just super cool to talk to him. I think that this is the first time that we've talked to like actual like in it game designers. Yeah, the first time that the, the the our fellow podcasters will hear it, we did do an interview with Nightmare uh, oh, Games. That yes, we, we was lost. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we're gonna re- later. we'll record it. We'll get we'll get the first because they're so great too. Yeah, I can't um, wait to have them back on. So it's super cool to like now talk to somebody whose game that we reviewed, and um, they uh, are not like a dumb idiot comedian out in Los Angeles. <laughs> It's also interesting, you know, the the perspective on so many video games that that I have is usually listening to people who have played a lot of video games and have opinions on how video games play. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting talking to someone who both plays quite a bit of video games but also makes them himself. Oh yeah, and he just notices so much more. He has a much better court vision for what makes things special or interesting or what design elements are, are worthy of calling out. So I learned a lot talking to, to uh, Mike or, or Bird Words. It's, yeah. really, it's a fun episode. Same. Uh, the cause this week is Justice LA. Justice LA prioritizes an intersectional approach to movement building that uplifts the communities most impacted by incarceration in Los Angeles County, including immigrant and undocumented people, black, brown, and indigenous peoples, people with mental health and substance use needs, young people, women, and LGBTQ people. Building on nearly a decade of advocacy, they're calling for a robust decarceration plan for Los Angeles that fully realizes the promise of uh, diversion and reentry through a justice reinvestment strategy. Um, They're very cool. Check out uh, justicelanow.org. We're donating to them. And uh, if you donate and send proof to bundlebuddiespodcast at gmail.com, we will shout you out on the show. As we do every week, we will shout you out on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it on our end, I believe. So uh, why don't we hop into the episode? That sounds great. I'll see you on the other side, Alex. Hey, catch you on the flip, my doggy. <laughs> <laughs>
And so we're already rolling it. We can just hop right into it. Uh, we have on this week, our guest is Bird Words, or Mike. Um, thank you for being here. Uh, we met because uh, through the process of playing these bundles, we played one of your games uh, called Temple Scramble. That's right, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to, to, to see that you guys enjoyed it, at least um, when you got the chance to, to, to play it, since I know since it's a local multiplayer game, I know that was a bit of a, <laughs> a setback as far as uh, making sure everybody was... Uh, able to give it a shot but um you had but no I'm idea that, i'm still happy that you liked it when you designed it you had no idea that we were all about to go into <laughs> a massive quarantine of yeah course, i heard yeah. i held you responsible for the whole thing so. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a really tough couple of months for you but you can make it up to us in this uh, in this episode i've been running around to strangers in my mask just throughout la yelling play temple scramble with me just come play with me why are you running away from me why are you running away I've been going to Denny's and being like, look, I know you still have those tabletop games. <laughs> let us install Temple Scramble and let us do it. They're like, there's no indoor dining. I'm like, you're lying to me. <laughs> I did find there's actually an app in, uh, the, out, that I found out about recently that allows you to play local multiplayer games um, uh, like uh, uh, online uh, called uh, Parsec. Oh, so cool. I didn't know about that when I first uh, created Temple Scramble. But if, if you guys run into any other local multiplayer only games, that might be a, a good way to... to that sounds great. I, you know, Alex and I have yet to play any of these games against one another, but there've been one or, <laughs> like a few. Yours, there was one that felt like a. Um, I can't even remember the name that, of the game, that but Smash Brothers one? yeah, that Smash Brothers. But like, yeah, if everybody was Game and Watch, yeah, uh, right. Platform Fighter. Yeah, that would have been fun. Parsec. All right, I'll check that out. Yeah. Uh, Mike, tell us uh, about video games. Do you like to play them? Uh, obviously <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to get into making games if you don't play them yourself but yeah that's true. yeah uh so where what can you describe like your first love like the first time you uh sort of were like oh wow what is this thing <laughs> absolutely so um yeah when i was like five years old or so um uh, the first time my mom took me out to like the the local game store which at the time was funko land now it's a game stop but i remember uh, funko uh, land oh yeah big fan yeah, the um, and yeah, I remember seeing a, a demo they had running there of uh, Super Mario World on the uh, on the Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, um, and wanted it pretty much immediately. <laughs> um, so yeah, for uh, for Christmas, I think it was probably a joint gift to both uh, to to me and my sis my older sister. Uh -huh. um, uh, it was a Super Nintendo and Super Mario World two. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which actually, which, <laughs> which not quite honestly, as of course, good. I don't believe her, but I, I actually, I, I actually think that was a, uh, uh, a fortuitous mistake because I think to this day I still prefer Yoshi's Island to the original Super Mario World. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Maybe, 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 maybe it's the nostalgia World factor. Uh, the I don't know, but like, it's it's a really interesting game. Is it? What's it like? I can I can only imagine too your parents being like, uh, oh well, the second one's got to be better. <laughs> that one. What's but, um, uh, what's two like compared to one? So um, 
So yeah, you're you're essentially playing as Yoshi carrying around Baby Mario on his back, and if you get hit, he like uh, flies off in a little bubble, and you have to recapture him before time runs out, or he gets like kidnapped and stuff. I was I was, I was too young and naive to get annoyed by escort missions at the time. But then again, I guess it's not, like it would be I guess it would be an escort mission if you're walking along like separately or anything or something yeah, exactly. like that. In this case, it's not like doing that's cool. Like that, but. Uh, I mean, that's definitely the more interesting game of the two of them. Even because Mario World is like more the innovative first one. one of the two, yeah. The... Yeah, absolutely. That that one, Mario World is like. Mm, I feel like that's absolutely. just the, ba- the the basis on which all other platform games that sort of. I mean, but it's so good. Like, how many, how much time have <laughs> I spent in that game? Kind of at weird points in my life. Like, I never had the Super Nintendo, so it was always like go to a friend's house, play Super Mario World, but then yeah. like. At some point in like college, maybe I had a Super Nintendo and played more of it there. I remember, and then people showing me how you could do like the infinite life thing with the in the place with all the. I call them ducks. I don't know why I call the turtles <laughs> ducks. The, you know how the turtles have like a weird duck faces. I think when I was a kid, yeah. I saw them and thought ducks. And duck hunt was also connected, and so I've just always thought of the flying turtles as ducks. But yeah, you could like get repeatedly jumping on the shell to get into yeah. the ups and stuff. Yeah. yeah, those are turtles. Yeah. So those are flying turtles. A totally not weird thing to think as a duck. Uh, so okay, so you got Super Nintendo. Where uh, where'd you go there from there? So um, as I was sort of getting into video games was uh, like around the time when the N64 was uh, coming out. And I think hmm. basically got that like the year after the Super Nintendo. So I kind of grew up with both of those in parallel. Oh, okay. Sort of like 2D and 3D as uh, like uh, separate genres from each other. But huh, uh, basically cool. uh, all the staples there, though, oh, uh, with a special fondness for platformers and puzzle games. So um, uh, Tetris Attack on the Super Nintendo was a, a big one that uh, oh, yeah. playing against my sister and stuff. Yeah, a lot, a lot of like anything we could play multiplayer was uh, was uh, fine by me though. So I appreciate some single player. Uh, I think well, other big parts of my uh, childhood in that respect: uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater on the N64, which oh, I know yes. now is the inferior version. But oh uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I had it on PlayStation, which ruled. And then anytime I had to play it on somebody's N64, I was like, this is not as good. <laughs> yeah, so and I, I lorded it. The remake, though. Uh, the... I've heard it's awesome. I mean, like the yeah. music is great. Like Superman is just a good good ska punk song (laughs) of course yeah the classic uh we leave a single bad track on there we got very very into tony hawk pro skater in my house my brother got really good at skating and is like to this day a very good skateboarder but i definitely was into it and was like i'm a skateboarder now and just (laughs) not good enough i would roll my ankle like every three months i think i've got bad knees ankles and hips now because of it Okay, uh, I'm side. I'm sidetracking us. <laughs> I, I, got, I got really into skateboarding when I was like 12, and so I used to spend hours in like my garage trying to figure out how to ollie. Like, <laughs> I, I uh, spent a year trying to do it. I could never ollie, and then I was like, "Well, that's kind of like the most basic thing. If I can't do that, it probably means I should stop trying." <laughs> like, I'm not going to get very further, very much further. Oh, but that game was so good. I we played probably up till four or five of the Tony Hawks. Yeah, as they the, went on. Yeah, I think I think I got to uh, Project Eight before finally dropping out of the series. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That the, makes sense. Uh, but yeah, my sister did eventually get a skateboard. I think she managed an ollie <laughs> once. I never did. Are you? <laughs> so you're a younger sibling. 
Yes. Did you watch uh, your sister play a lot of video games, or was that not as much a part of your growing up? Um, like, so uh, not not before I started playing myself. I think like I think we sort of started around the same time, mm. but more often than not, we were playing together rather than one of us watching the other play. Though that happens okay. sometimes too. I do remember like I was obsessed with um, Sonic Adventure Two in my uh, our early teens. And, Whoa. Uh, what's that is that like an rpg oh no it's it's it was it was the the second proper 3d sonic game basically oh i remember the standard 3d sonic game essentially but i remember the genesis one that first sonic 3d for sega genesis oh yeah the like the like the isometric view and stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, 3d blast i think it's called crazy that was like 3d gaming before you could really do it Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, sweet. What's the Sonic uh, games? Uh, did did you play a lot of the Sonic games, or was that that your specific entry into the uh, the franchise? Adventure Two was my entry point, but I kind of went backwards and forwards from there. Um, though not 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 very much forwards because that's also sort of around the point when the series started to decline in quality. <laughs> yeah, so, right. That's I, I don't think anything past Adventure Two, like that, I've actually played has hit the high that Adventure Two did. Though I really kind of dropped out after Sonic Heroes and then Shadow the Hedgehog. So, um, what shadows of, deal i i hadn't i never got that far into sonic what is shadow up to so so yeah he is, is sonic's lookalike nemesis i forget exactly how he uh uh comes about but i know and like he's introduced in sonic adventure 2 and shadow is of course his first solo game i think it was actually the first ever game if memory serves that um got an e- e10 plus rating from the esrb like uh, uh like it was like right around when they introduced that rating so he could say things like hell and damn and all sweet. these swear words i love it i and love also it he had a gun because... <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh no <laughs> i do love the idea eric you kind of like carry water for sonic the hedgehog just because of your experiences with it in uh-huh. like the early genesis days and yeah. so much of like that vibe was about the Genesis radical uh-huh. like, that you loved, but man, Sonic Chase, Shadow got a gun. <laughs> oh no, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I I like my Sonic to be just radical and all about going fast. But yeah, as soon as you start, yeah. I guess I mean I guess Doctor Robotnik's always shooting at you and all those Robo. Yeah, that's, you know, that's true. Buffalo he has a lot, or he has whatever. A lot of robots with guns. So. We played uh, a lot of Sonic Spinball. And we played a oh, lot of yeah. Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Yes. <laughs> two games. My, my sister and I love to play. I, funny you, too, because we had, it's, it's, it's funny because we had both that and like the Super Nintendo equivalent, which is Kirby's Avalanche. Both of them are oh. like, like uh, brand, uh, both of them are like branded uh, versions of uh, Puyo Puyo. But, uh, <laughs> but we weren't aware of that franchise at the time. We were like, ah, this game is a lot like Kirby's Avalanche. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't play it anyway. Or uh, Dr. Mario, I think, was also oh, yeah. the same type of uh, it's the same vibe. It's a little different, but yeah, the... But yeah, that's a uh, no, Doctor Mario's a neat one too. Though I only got the chance to play that recently with uh, the uh, old NES games coming to the Switch and stuff. Yeah, that's been fun—a fun way to explore some of those games. Hmm? I, it's been a fun way to explore some of those older Switch games, just on, uh, uh, or rather, NES games on the Switch. Yeah, 
It's also the Switch is really great for using for playing those old Switch games too. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh my God, Breath true. of the Wild! <laughs> it's just the best platform for Switch games. Absolutely. <laughs> you guys gotta check out the Nintendo Switch on the Nintendo Switch. It's really <laughs> the best place to play the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> so it, it, it's actually, I think it's really interesting. Uh, you know, hearing you talk about uh, your love of kind of like uh, co-op games because that was definitely reflected in the game that, that we played. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that what brought you into sort of the game design element of things too? Was, was sort of a desire to kind of create those experiences that you enjoyed so much? Um, uh, possibly. The like one thing one thing that I sort of noticed in retrospect that I don't think I really noticed at the time um, that could have been sort of a precursor to to getting into game development is that I was always drawn towards um, games that allowed you to create custom content. Like when Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 and then uh, introduced to the um, the skate park editor um, and things like that, I was I was and when it was refined in later games too, I was all over that. That's um, cool. Spent, spent out like I probably spent more time making my own skate parks than I did actually doing like the story mode missions. Oh, uh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think other stuff. The um. Oh, uh, the forge in Halo Three later on too. That was. Oh yeah. Uh, and um, and to the fact that it allowed you to create your own game modes as well. Yeah, um, that's super cool. Um, what is uh is Temple Scramble the first game that you made? Uh no. Uh, okay. So um I got started um so I I knew for a long time I remember finding a like a little scrapbook or something that I wrote as part of a school project when I was in like fifth grade or something, like um. I about like where I saw myself in ten years, and I said like, uh, um, that, that I saw myself at MIT brushing up on my coding skills so I could go uh, in preparation to go into the games industry, and that ended <laughs> up actually being exactly where I was ten oh, years from then. Wow. <laughs> no that way, was, that's um, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, so yeah, I I knew um, I knew I wanted to get into uh, game development for a long time, so I so like. The first opportunity I had to learn programming, which was um, classes that were in high school, jumped at the opportunity. Um, if I finished uh, like the the classwork early and still had some time left in classes, start like making like clones of basic arcade games and stuff. Like I remember writing a text terminal based clone of Snake in oh, C plus okay. plus while waiting for other folks to like uh, uh, finish the classwork and such. Cool. Um, yeah. From there, uh, so got into. Uh, uh, making games for release uh, by, by uh, starting with uh, working in Flash. Okay. So I was um, big into, when I was playing on my own, I was big into Flash games and such. Um, so, yeah, I got a copy of Flash. My first ever game I made, I believe, was a game that I put on Newgrounds called, that uh, uh, I don't know, well, it's not, not playable now because uh, Flash is dead, but... Yeah. Uh, for, um, making efforts to preserve old flash games and the like so um like it, it never occurred to me until sorry i know i'm going on a bit of a tangent here <laughs> no, we love it that's yeah. what we live for the um but yeah since uh, flash officially was uh, was officially discontinued at uh, on uh, new year's day this year um which is just so thinking, insane like, to me are there, okay, like are there cities any? going away you know Oops. like that we've lost like a whole portion of the internet and in our sort of shared Absolutely. cultural memory it's it's so sad I'm, I'm glad there are folks working to uh archive the stuff though but um hearing about those preservation efforts is like hmm are there any flash games i'm super nostalgic for that i want to make sure these guys preserve and it wasn't until after the new year hit i was like 
wait a minute, why did I never think about my own work? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there's a little bit of something in that. I Sometimes it's nice to let something you did in the past just like die. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you're like, right. this is like a wipe. It, you know, I had this thing Clean and slate. it's out there. And I don't think we get a ton of that with the internet anymore, right? Like we don't Absolutely. really get to let things kind of just pass into the distance so maybe maybe uh there's a little piece of your brain that was like you know what's natural you know it's a natural part of the human experience ephemera and so that (laughs) that game what was that game called did you have a what was the name so so, um it was called an unsteady hand it was basically it was a pretty basic like you play as a square and you are dodging other squares that are coming at you from the edge of the screen but the gimmick was that you um the, the uh, you move sort of a random uh, of uh, a, num- a small number of pixels in a random direction every frame. So so oh. so you had so instead of just being able to camp out in one spot, you had to sort of make sure you paid attention and and uh, bring yourself back to the center and stuff. Oh, cool! Mm-hmm. That's cool. One, th- the one thing I remember, like, yeah, still a still a fairly basic game that I could probably flip together in a couple hours nowadays. But I was uh, fairly proud of it at the time, especially uh, making like the start button and stuff jitter in the same way on the menu oh, yeah. and things like that. Was... <laughs> That's super fun. Uh, yeah, keep going. So, um, so yeah, after I got some experience making uh, Flash games in college, I found out about the concept of game jams. Are you, uh, uh-huh. you guys both know about game jams? I, I mean, I'm just about? now kind of learning about them through going through this bundle, right? Oh, like, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, a lot of these were made for game jams. Um, that's right. So, um yeah, I think I did. The first one I did was, um, I think, Ludum Dare, which is one of the bigger online ones yeah, back in like 2011 or something. And uh-huh. been sort of uh, hooked on doing that, uh, that ever since. I guess for the benefit of the listeners, uh, just in case. Uh, yeah. So, Game Jam, the idea is uh, you're challenged to create a game within a short period of time, usually like 48 or 72 hours from start to finish. So, yeah, I remember my first one there was um, the theme was Escape. So, um, what I ended up making was a game called uh, Beyond the Fourth Wall, where you play like a little guy inside a TV and then uh-huh. break out a uh, break out of the TV into the uh, like into the room that the TV is in and find that you're like on another TV or in some other interface there and keep going from there. But that's fun. It was it ended up being sh- very short and not very polished and all stick figure art since I am still no by no means an artist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, could only uh, could only go up from there. So if <laughs> Uh, so I've, I've been uh, so yeah I've been regularly doing game jams since then and uh, trying to improve from there. Uh, Temple of Scramble, I guess you could say, is my first solo commercial release. Okay. There is one other sort of commercial release that I did. Uh, like um, I was one member of a, a three-member student project. Um, we made a game called uh, It Came from the Scrap Heap, uh, uh-huh. which you play um, sort of uh, sort of similar to the the narrative conceit of uh, one of the the games we did uh, here for uh, Abom- Abomination Tower, where uh-huh. you play as a uh, robotic hand that has been discarded by its creator, okay, um, and uh, trying to crawl your way up out of the scrap heap, um, and coming into contact with various bodies that give you uh, that give you uh, abilities to uh, progress farther and whatnot. That's cool. Uh, is it how 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 are game jams because i've never done one or like mm-hmm. been a part of one how are they sort of judged so um it it varies from jam to jam um what most jams do is that um 
anybody who submits a game to the jam is then eligible to rate everyone else's um, games. Oh, okay. They have a, a few different criteria like uh, like gameplay, graphics, audio, humor, etc. And rate them on a like five star scale and stuff, and whoever has the highest average ratings win. Cool, that's awesome. Uh, how often would you say you do jams? So um, it has increased greatly during uh, since COVID hit. Yeah. But um, previously, I'd say like maybe once twice a year. Um, there are some years where I didn't do Ludum Dare at all, despite the fact that it happened multiple times a year. There are other years where I did like a bunch. Once it, it sort of it, it sort of fluctuates um, in and out. Uh, but yeah, I've also been doing uh, for a, a few years now um, a global game jam as well at a, a local art school, Montserrat. So oh, cool! Um, That's awesome. Are so, that? Uh, but yeah, the during quarantine, I've been doing one like once every couple months or so, once every month or two or so. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It it feels like it's it's very good to have projects to keep yourself distracted. Oh Absolutely. man, that's so funny. That a uh, glass of water is the same one you use on your Twitch stream, which I've oh. watched a couple episodes of now. Oh, nice. When you're streaming, <laughs> so I'm familiar with that glass. That's uh, so yeah, funny. The... Uh, how uh, how often do you stream? What so, do you usually uh, stream? So yeah, I so I stream um, right now. I usually stream every uh, every Sunday at three p.m. Eastern. Um, so, uh, so you're coming from a stream right now, going so, to uh, a stream. Um, yeah, I, I finished a stream about an hour ago. So yeah, the cool. What'd you play? So uh, this time I was actually uh, doing game development. So um, oh cool. So yeah, I alternate. So. Um, but when I start, I actually started streaming during the pandemic as well. Figured a good time to get into a new hobby as well, mm -hmm. um, and focused from there on like giving feedback to um, to game to other people's game jam entries. Because as a developer, one of the most valuable things that you can, one of the most valuable forms of feedback you can get as a developer is seeing somebody else play your game in real time and oh, okay, yeah. their reactions to each and every moment and what parts they struggle, what parts are maybe a little too easy, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wanted to uh, you know use the platform to provide that for others, but also got into streaming my own development uh, when uh, if, like when a game jam comes around that I'm participating in, which uh -huh. I found actually to be very beneficial. Like like um, I am very prone to distraction, especially when working on personal projects, and like being on camera, being on stream, I found really helps me stay focused because like. I know I can't just like let my mind wander and stare at the screen for 15 minutes without like somebody in chat going. Oh, creating your okay. own foreman or like your own boss. <laughs> you're just like, yeah, I just need somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're also speaking through it, you know, which I'm sure is very useful to sort of keep you on track of like keep the the thoughts connected to each other one after the other because you have to talk through what you're doing quite a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or just uh, like yeah, just. You're like, ooh, man, it's maybe time for a break or a snack. And you're like, oh, I've only been doing this for five minutes. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of my own uh, procrastination-y methods. I'm, I'm king of it. Camille makes fun of me all the time. I, she says that I approach my anxiety by procrastinating, where she tackles her the things that are stressing her out head on and boy oh boy that's a bad combo 
It's a very toxic relationship you find yourself in, Eric. I love it. Give me danger. What's yeah? When it came to Temple Scramble specifically, what was sort of the genesis of that idea? You know, like uh, because it, it does sort of tie it pretty directly into the idea of kind of a couch co-op kind of thing and playing with someone who's in the room with you. And for folks who haven't played it uh, or didn't listen to the episode, Temple Scramble is a, a very fun game where one person's playing sort of the spirit of the temple and the other person's playing kind of an explorer. And the spirit of the temple is trying to kill the explorer who's trying to harvest various things uh, from the temple in real time. It's a really fun arcade style kind of like co-op experience. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. The, um, so, um, so yeah, that one actually um, did come out of a Ludum Dare. Um, the, oh, cool. the same, I found actually the same Ludum Dare actually that Nonsense at Nightfall came from, which is funny. Um, for for <laughs> oh, both wow. games, for so yeah, for um, I hadn't played it before though. Um, it was there are thousands of games get submitted to each Ludum Dare, so it's right. uh, if you pick a random game out of any given Ludum Dare, there's a pretty low chance of actually already played it, mm-hmm. thankfully. But um, but yeah, the the theme of that one was shapeshift, which is probably a little more obvious than nonsense at nightfall. But we'll get to that in a moment. But um, <laughs> I like I always like thinking of sort of like oblique, weird interpretations of the theme that aren't necessarily like, like like when somebody thinks of shapeshift, they usually think of a person transforming into something that is not a person. Yeah, so that's, that's what like, I think of. What if, what, <laughs> my uh, my first thought was, well, what if it's not a character that's shapeshifting? <laughs> what if it is instead the environment and that that's sort of what uh sprung it off from there and also like um and also like when, when i got sort of the uh, like um I, I don't know like sort of because uh, like i don't know if i got the idea to make it multiplayer first or not but uh, like one other key thought um that sort of helped formulate what temple helped sort of um determine what Temple Scramble is going to be was that like if I'm making a couch multiplayer game to be played on a PC uh, under the assumption that most players aren't necessarily going to have peripherals or like controllers or anything like that mm-hmm. to play it with I'm restricted to just using a keyboard and mouse and I've played plenty of local multiplayer games where multiple people are crowded around a keyboard mm-hmm. it's not it's usually not a very pleasant experience mm-hmm. so I decided what if the keyboard is one controller and the mouse is the other controller? Yeah, that's super so like cool. A... That's super smart. It's also it's I can play it against myself, which I love. <laughs> yes. I'm like I was able to beat the temple every time. Awesome. <laughs> it's like temple's not doing anything to try and stop me. Unfortunately for me, I just kept on dying every time. <laughs> so hard. Oh, I really want to play this against you now, Alex. We I think will. it'll it'll happen when in in uh, you know fall twenty twenty three or whenever this is all over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, we're gonna look back in fall twenty twenty three and be like, man, they had it so good back then. Episode one hundred and twenty of Bundle Buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Eric has gone bald and blind. <laughs> Alex has no teeth anymore, but still has a mustache. Oh yeah. Well, I did have one final question for you, Mike, just about like, you know, it, it definitely seems like the games you're drawn to are not necessarily like the big triple A, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, sort of things. Are there any of those games that you do like or is your experience of games sort of the things that you design yourself and also 
kind of a, a different sort of genre, if that makes sense. Than, it's than like uh, Joanna Newsom uh, said that she didn't listen to popular music. She just listens <laughs> to the music her friends make. Is that kind of what you like? Um, so I, I um, so it's a sort of a mix. So um, you're definitely right that I'm drawn towards more um, offbeat indie type games. I'm mm. definitely drawn towards uh, simpler stuff over more mm. complex or more realistic stuff. In fact, I used to describe sort of my game design philosophy as anti-realist, but uh, that, that's, what I, <laughs> um, that's said, um, quarantine may have changed that a little bit because oh, uh, one of the, the like mm-hmm. the, the like one of the game like very early in quarantine, like um, I decided that I was going to um, get back into a game that I found like I just did not have enough time to put into this to to make it worth it. Um, that like. But there's like, but like couldn't, couldn't really uh, get into with the hour or two bursts of, of gameplay that I really had time for in my day to day life. Uh-huh. That game was Breath of the Wild. Um, oh, so you did not. You're one of the rare does not like Breath of the Wilds. <laughs> oh, uh, quite the opposite. Um, oh. So when I when I, I so I played it for a couple times in 2018 first and found it very intimidating because there's so many different things to keep track of and I was generally 100%. shied away from like um, open world survival based type games because of that. Um, I like like I, I have I never touched like Skyrim or Red Dead Redemption or any of that kind of stuff because I, I like automatically assumed it would not be my thing because mm. it's like it's such so vast in scope which is sort of the opposite of the direction I've been heading towards. Mm-hmm. Then when I when I actually was able to invest the time into it and coming already from a bit of an understanding of the systems from when I played through essentially the tutorial section in 2018, mm-hmm. I absolutely fell in love with it. So um so um so yeah, that's maybe sort of re- like rethink everything I thought I knew about my own gaming preferences. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe I would actually enjoy the Skyrims and Red Dead Redemptions of this world if I can just um, put enough time to, into it to get past that barrier to entry, that that intimidation of oh, I'm not going to be able to keep all this stuff in my head. Yeah, well, it's, I, it's so interesting. Like the, I mean, you know, well, that. Breath of the Wild is like the best version of this, those games that they ever, you know, it's sort of like the apex of the the open world uh, game, minus like, um, you know, that the story of Breath of the Wild is sort of like, you know, here or there, and you uncover bits, but when you're actually playing it, compared to like a Skyrim or something like that, but that is just the best version of those games. So it might just be that you have excellent taste. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, for all that's good, it's like they're not. I promise you not that that is that one. And also, you got to check it out on the original Nintendo Switch. Switch <laughs> well, I've been playing it on the Switch emulator on my Nintendo Switch. Is that okay? Oh, I mean, it's fine. It, you got to get, get the original, though. I'm uh, okay. You. All right. Yeah, the, the original hardware is where it's at. <laughs> no, actually, I found I found out like after completing Breath of the Wild that the original hardware for Breath of the Wild is actually the Wii U. Right. The, um, oh, wow. So, like, I, I didn't even know that until like like well after it. Which, um, yeah, the um, tricked me a little bit because I'm also because uh, like I also got a little bit into uh, switch modding like in back in 2019. What is that? What's switch modding? Well, like modding switch games. So got like, it. Um, Not like, like swapping mods. <laughs> <laughs> modding switch games. Uh, yeah. What uh, what switch mods have you done? What sort of mods? So have you made? um. 
So as for someone uh, like for someone who says that I got into switch modding at one point in my life, you'd think I would actually have made a switch mod at one point. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically, what happened is like in 2019, like um, then I got into Smash Ultimate. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn modding so I can inject some custom spirits into spirits mode, kind of thing, uh -huh. with a specific goal in mind found that there were some significant barriers to entry to modding there, figured out what, what the state of the art was, and uh, found that the found that the problem a lot of people were running into is that like the when you're injecting a file into the game, it needs to be compressed to like the exact same file size as the original file or it's not going to work. Uh -huh. um, uh, so I so like um so people so what people were doing is using the the compression program that the developers used, which has like different levels of compression, and running it at different levels and hoping one of them would match the eventual file size, and then going into an like a hex editor and like hoping that the bytes they edit out weren't anything too important, even though they don't aren't entirely sure what it does, <laughs> that kind of thing. Like, okay, this is untenable. So what I ended up doing is I looked into the documentation of that format, found out a way to pad out files so they can be any arbitrary file size, uh -huh. um, and, like, released a, a tool that did that automatically to the community, which, like, allowed a lot more mods to come in. Oh, that's cool. And, wow. stuff. and then I promptly disappeared from the scene. Because <laughs> 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 I realized, like, um, Smash Ultimate, like already crosses over most of the things I'm into. There's very little that I would want to put in there that yeah. isn't already in there. Yeah. Like, um, but, uh, yeah, if you've seen anything like people being able to play as, like, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo and Smash Ultimate, that kind of thing. That's, <laughs> that's what's come out of that uh, modding community. and Some really cool stuff. But anyway, the reason I brought it up in the context of Breath of the Wild is I found most Breath of the Wild mods are made for Wii U rather than for Switch because the Wii U is way easier to mod. Oh, wow. Like, no, I can't play a lot of these <laughs> mods because, <laughs> because they're Wii U only. Because, you know, it's, I bet it's pretty tough to find somebody who still owns a Wii U these days. Mm. <laughs> I, I, have, I only know one person who got a Wii U, and I have a lot of friends who are, are huge Nintendo fans, but that one, you know... I think it'll be reevaluated in a couple of years. It's like, wait, was the Wii U actually amazing? <laughs> uh, I'll be very curious to see sort of where that winds up because it is such a strange system. Mm -hmm. I kind of, yeah, skipped over that like entire console generation and only got a Wii U like when my sister semi permanently lent me hers so that way I could play Splatoon, which is the one Wii U exclusive that I was actually like, yeah. okay, I have to play this. What's Splatoon? <laughs> What's that one like? So, um, another first-party Nintendo game. It's um, it's a third-person shooter that's based around like territory control. So basically, everybody has um ink guns, uh -huh. and like there are two teams of four. Uh, there are two teams of four uh, people each. Um, and I say people, really, they are inklings, which are mm. uh, kids who can transform <laughs> into squids and vice versa. Um, oh hell yeah! <laughs> So the, the goal is not directly to shoot your opponents, but rather to shoot the ground. Uh -huh. Sort of like, sort of like uh, and uh, it's like it's a first-person like shooter it's... for people who suck at first-person shooters. <laughs> like, no, that's the point. You're not supposed to hit them. You just hit and the it... ground. You're doing a great job. <laughs> so you can still, quote, splat, unquote, your opponents um, to um, uh, force them back to spawn. But uh, 
<laughs> yes, it's a <laughs> very very sanitized still. But yeah, the idea is you can uh, sw you can uh, turn into a squid to swim through the um, ink of your that's your team's color, but um, you get hurt if you swim into your opponent's ink color. Oh, strange. And the goal is sort of like territory control, kind of like that multiplayer mode in um, Tony Hawk, where uh -huh. like, um, the graffiti. Like if you if yeah yes yeah if you like uh, do a trick on a on a, a piece of equipment, then it becomes your color, and the yeah. goal is to have the uh, most color at the end. So yeah, the, uh, so one of the rare to acquire the most turf. Where the sequel was better than the original. So if your parents had gotten you Platoon Two instead of Platoon <laughs> One, it would have been the same game, but but better. But if I put my hands like this, is that better? Uh, yeah, actually, it sounds better because your annoying voice doesn't sound the same. Oh yeah. my fucking god! <laughs> You piece of shit. We're seeing, seeing too much of each other these days. You... It's getting really vicious. <laughs> it's like we don't have real conversations anymore. We just swear no, no, no. at one another. Just be so mean. <laughs> just, I, why would I actually see how... Yeah, I'll like come in from the other room and be like, how's, uh, how's Alex doing? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I just talked to him for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we played three games this week. Um, the first game uh, was Abomination Tower by Adrian Sugden, a procedurally generated 2D single-player platformer that should be played with a controller. Description, Abomination Tower is a humorously macabre. It's a procedurally generated 2D platformer. You play as Headless, the rejected creation of a mad scientist. Headless is trapped in a tower with other dangerous abominations. You must journey up the tower to escape. Along the way, you unlock heads that can be equipped, each with its own unique ability to aid in your escape. Um, uh, off the bat, the spikes. We we got to talk about how good these spikes are. These spikes, they point in every direction that you're gonna die from. I love it. I love these spikes so much. I don't want to see any other shitty spikes ever again. These spikes, <laughs> they they point in the angle that you're gonna die. You got spikes spikes that come out at 45 degree angles away from your vertical spikes. I love these spikes. I'm just going to say it right now. This is a play because of the spikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the game, in, the game in general, I think w when you pick up a game like this and I saw the graphics I did, I was like, "Ugh, okay, here we go. Whatever. Because <laughs> yeah. the graphics don't seem very robust or interesting. They feel a little canned, sort of like, you know, just have this like feel. But when I picked up and played this game with the controller, the game handles really well. Like I was mm. surprised that like, how much fun it was to actually interact with it. And it felt sort of like a Super Meat Boy kind of a thing, where you're to the point yeah, it's just to go definitely fast. definitely inspired by Super yes, Meat Boy, I think. Yeah, exactly, that, exactly. Especially with that, like, everything is made of flesh aesthetic it's got yeah, going on there. Absolutely. Yeah, Which, yeah, it's not, it's not usually my style, but, like, if you're into that, I think this is a, a fine example of it. Yeah, well, I think it's got, I mean, like, Sega Genesis had a bunch of, like, this sort of aesthetic, yeah. and I think I'm a fan of, like, like you were saying, Alex, I like, uh, I like things that are weird and a little gross and a little, little, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like, I like the aesthetic of this, this, I, I definitely had that feeling up top too, of being like, Oh, another platformer here. Cool. Like, let's see where it goes, but I'm aesthetics and spikes, the combination of those. What kind of heads did you guys get? 
So um, I got up to uh, like it's not it's not random, is it? Because if because that would take I only ever got as far as if it is random. Yeah, um, I only got as far as the butthead. That was you know <laughs> the very beginning of the game. I played a couple of levels, but I didn't realize there was a button you could push to unlock a special ability with the head. With the, um, oh really? To, like besides it's like uh, saving your butt. That oh maybe that's what it was. Hey, that's a very very good point. It's very funny. <laughs> Because I think because I think there's a button to drop the head, but I think all of the head's effects are like automatic. Yeah, I think. Okay, that's cool. I didn't realize that. <laughs> the other head you unlocked. So um, I liked the idea of the heads, but one of my main complaints was that um, the best they give the best head first because like mm -hmm. save my butt, which yeah gives like gives you an extra life essentially. So if you get hit by spikes, you lose the head, but you can keep going as opposed to insta kill like you would otherwise. Yeah. Um, after that, I think was uh, Speed Demon, which makes you go faster. Um, which and I already felt like I never really needed to use the dash button or anything like that. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. The I'm speed of this game. Patient, but yeah, I was. I had a. I actually found it to be a very difficult game. I kept dying all the time. The spikes. Here's the thing about spikes that are lethal in lots of different directions: is boy, oh boy, they killed the shit out of me. Like <laughs> yeah. I was trying to run around, slide up the wall. I love, I love like the slide jump off the wall mechanic. Any game that uses that mechanic, I'm always like, this is this is great. This is like wall jumping, pure fun. Wall jumping. Mm. Give me wall jumping <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> give me wall jumping. Give me spikes from every angle. It turns out that's really, really difficult. <laughs> I think um, a fun thing about this game, too, I, I know I keep on coming back to the way it felt, the way the handling of it, but that was, to me, I think the strongest aspect of it. Not necessarily the level design, which felt fine. You know, I mean, there was some yeah, interesting I think, parts yeah, in the there. Controls, I think, were very nicely done. Mm -hmm. um, like, Felt, it felt pretty fluid going through all the levels and stuff. It had that it did that thing too where that you know that we we played a game that was kind of inspired by the original Mario a few weeks ago called Super Bernie World, which you know it, it was right. it was really just a, a nice propaganda tool for the Bernie Sanders campaign, which hey I'm all about. But the actual experience of playing that game wasn't very good, although it mm -hmm. did capture the idea very very well of when you make that jump that you know is wrong and then you die and there's just nothing you can do off that like first jump. Um, but a game like that requires you to kind of learn the way in which the, the game itself like wants you to move. And this game didn't feel that way. This game kind of felt like, oh, I can move the way I want to. Like it's an expression of like less about you learning how to move and more about I'm moving and the game like does it in such a way that's so intuitive that like I just pick it up very quickly. Yeah. Very you know what I was just thinking so right, right now, Alex, is that Super Bernie World, you should have always been able to find a safety net every time you fell. <laughs> that's upsetting to me that they didn't, they didn't maybe if you're playing through after he wins the campaign you know oh uh, i guess so yeah but maybe right. actually yeah, it's, it's actually a very <laughs> real yeah, exactly um yeah i i mean i didn't i actually like didn't get very far in this game because i found it so difficult i found the uh the level design to be hard yeah, the um, yeah, it definitely gets more brutal as it goes on. Yeah, the um, I I made it less than halfway through the the full list of heads uh, myself. 
like yeah beyond that i got airhead which makes you jump higher and gravity a little slower and stuff and bucket which protects you from uh, dying from fall any falling objects oh that's fine it was sort of like the least common way i died though i never tested <laughs> to see if it prevents you from dying if you jump upwards into a spike in which oh. case maybe i would have found more use for it but in any case that's as far as i got so i was rolling butt the butt face the entire time <laughs> <laughs> i was like like uh i know uh, like I know I'm going, like, there's, uh, I'm more likely to be hit by a spike than not while I'm going through this level, so, like, uh, might as well get double the chances to actually make it through to the end. Yeah. It seemed like more of an advantage than any of the other stuff. I, uh, have you made any platformers? Um, yeah, the, yeah, a few. Not like, um, a lot of, a lot of ones that are sort of, like, questionably platformers because, like, they, uh, tweak like some fundamental element of it like um it came from the scrap heap which i mentioned earlier but mm -hmm. uh, uh, we sort of uh um, marketed that as a platformer without jumping because in, okay. in lieu of jumping what you yeah. could do is like um like uh, crawl on the walls and stuff and change uh -huh. your magnetic polarity to uh, like affect which walls you can and can't crawl on and stuff okay um so i so guess like, a thing that i think about like when you go into the idea of like creating a game and you create something that's like a platformer like this. I guess the the question that I always have is sort of like a little bit why? And I think this game answers that question in in its aesthetic, right? Like the aesthetic is, the why is kind of like, well, because I wanted to make something with like a headless dude running around and it's like <laughs> squishy and it's got this kind of like, you know, grossy kind of feeling to it but i always think that that's so fascinating to me when people make platformers and it doesn't really answer that why question like i mean i guess some mm. of sometimes it's just like oh i just sort of wanted to make a game and and it's like oh okay yeah, that's it's... that's fine but like in terms of like the interactive way between the game maker and the person that is playing it i i don't i always need a little bit more yeah the um did you guys feel that about this this game at all like uh like oh okay this is like fine but i want like why why this why um abomination tower oh wait uh, like why I... play this over any other platformer kind of thing because like the genre is so saturated you mean mm -hmm. yeah yeah the um that's fair yeah like um i do think for any indie platformer to be successful you definitely need to have some sort of something else besides it's a platformer here you go especially since <laughs> they're like they're very common like my first game project and things like that so uh so yeah as as far yeah as i i did get a little sense of why this game in particular i think the two things that are supposed to differentiate it are the head system which is all right mm -hmm. but like i said they kind of like uh put put their best head first so i never feel that so you never feel like the need to use the other ones yeah and the procedural generation which that was the main thing i was wondering why the procedural generation mm -hmm. like um because like um usually when you get a hard platformer like a super meat boy or a v v v v v v and i was <laughs> v, but i always like calling it v v v v v because <laughs> it's fun um usually about mastery trying the same thing over and over again to like um uh till you like perfect the movements you need but yeah you don't really get that chance at perfection because every time you die it changes well and also i think like what those games give you is that like you start to learn how to navigate those games a little bit better i mean like mm -hmm. splunky is a game where i think they use the platformer 
like the new Splunkies where they use the platformer and uh, roguelike features really well together, right? Where it's like, mm. uh, what I'm kind of learning is like how to interact with like chunks of the space, right? And it's like, oh, and I've died like this, but I know that I can kind of like jump and make that height and climb up to here before those spikes fall because like I've just sort of interacted with these spaces over and over again. And the fact that it's roguelike, um, it, it invites you to keep trying because you're going to interact with the same type of space multiple times and you're going to learn from that. But mm-hmm. I don't feel like this had that kind of quality to it. And so I think I agree with you when you create something that's got more um, like fixed in place level styles, then you can create like a growing sense of difficulty, right? Like those spaces are a little bit farther apart or those heights are mm-hmm. a little bit uh, bigger or like, and that sort of thing. I don't know. It seems like people have kind of shied away from that sort of like game design or maybe not shied away from that sort of game design, but it seems like roguelike is like all the rage right now. It, it is absolutely. Yeah. And I think it is so much the rage that I think a lot of people throw procedural generation into their games without really giving much right. thought to what does the procedural generation add to this game. I think the usual boilerplate answer is replay value, but I don't think that necessarily like holds yeah, here. Yeah. Especially, especially since like it does seem to be sort of like module based where it's like there's a few distinct uh, there's like maybe like uh, 10, 20 like possible sections per floor and it stacks like five exactly. or so of those sections on top of each other. It's just, com- it was, I, I remember I didn't realize it was procedural generation at first because I, I was like, oh yeah, this is the part where you do this. And it took me a while to realize like, oh wait, they're appearing in a different order every time, you know? Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, I guess it is different. Um, okay, perfect. So uh, I'll start this one. For, for this game, I think, uh, I while I really did enjoy it, and I'm not mad I played it or anything like that, I'm, I'm probably a pass for the reasons we mentioned. I just don't think it brings anything that remarkable to the table, even though I did enjoy playing and I think it's got some good handling. There's other things out there that I, I think um, explore a little more about the genre that I'm probably a little more interested in. Uh, but it's it's a good game, and if you're into platformers that are like this, you should check it out, but I'm a pass. Yeah. Uh, Eric? Uh, you know, like I said, the spikes the spikes hurt me in the, in the right way, and I love that. I love that so much. Uh, and I like the aesthetic. Um, I like the multiple head changing sort of thing. And so for those two reasons, I'm a play on this. But yeah, it's not, it's not like a mind-blowing new platformer or something. But if you're looking for like jumping around, trying to avoid spikes, and you've played all of the other platformers that you've encountered, this is 100%, you know, give it a give it a go. It's fun. And if you like grosso stuff. What about you, Mike? <laughs> uh, the... Um... Yeah, I'd say like, yeah, I'd say it's it's fine if you're looking to kill an hour or so. But I, overall, I'd probably give it a pass. I think there mm-hmm. are other other platformers that uh, do this kind of thing better. Yeah, yeah. All right, all Let's right. The move next it on, baby. Game was the Quiet Sleep from Why Not Games, a city builder tower defense simulation game. This Quiet Sleep is a collection of stories set in a simulation tower defense game in which you build out your mind in order to achieve your personal goals and maintain control of your emotions. Develop your traits to gain new abilities. Decide whether to turn your ambition to the highs of the feeling of achievement or the lows of self-loathing. Choose whether or not to renounce your homeland. Determine how alone you really are. Um, okay, so this game was uh, 
kind of it's it seemed very interesting to me but i had a really hard time with like just how you were supposed to do the most basic things in it like i couldn't figure out when to click what where and the tutorial went by so quickly that i thought i got it and then when it stopped i tried to figure it out again and just could not so i, had I really didn't exact I, same experience it was uh it was a pretty it was pretty confusing it took it took me a long time to sort of wrap my head around the internal logic this what this game was using i think like the 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 more sort of figured out what was going on the more i appreciated it. i think i think this developer here has a really interesting vision of what they're trying to do as yeah. like a, a storytelling engine and a, sort of like what and what sort of yeah, what sort of kind of what sort of kind of game they're what kind of storytelling they're going for, but yeah, the yeah I think what they need most is like uh, clarity in communicating that that purpose Completely. and and maybe also some like uh, quality of life refinements too, like um, just in terms of their life, <laughs> like it's no, no, like no, you shouldn't more... be looking for how lonely you are, no, like no, no, you're no, fine no. the way you are. <laughs> quality of life in the sense of game design, meaning making things more convenient for the player. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so it's very, I mean, it's very simplistic. The design is very, um, you know, it seemed like just flat and kind of this hexagonal sort of tower defense kind of vibe mm -hmm. to it. Uh, it's, yeah. And then, and then also with like kind of MS Paint sort of tutorial kind of walking you through it. It seemed very like, yeah. It's not holding your hand at all. It's basically like no. it drops you in the middle of this thing and then shows you like the two things you're supposed to do. And if you don't get it like quickly, it's it's moving on. It's like you're not doing any it's not doing anything else for you, um, which to, to me was a bummer because I'm with you, Mike, like the idea of what it was talking about and sort of that that way of like reinforcing good habits and feeding things and, and you know, supplying energy to the things that you want to be doing um seems really interesting to me i'm a big fan of just like just like a, a closed gameplay loop that just generates more stuff you know like management games and stuff like that that's really fun to me but i i, I um played it for about 15 minutes and was like struggling enough that i was just sort of like okay you know like if i can't pick it up right now um i uh, probably am not going to recommend this if after you know like this chunk of time it feels that way uh but I, I mike i'd be really curious to hear sort of your experience with it and then um what it's like when you actually get in, engaged with it for a while yeah when when it oh what like my th my three word summary of this game was clunky but fascinating uh -huh. like yeah. uh, uh, like because when it clicks it's it's really neat like uh things like how like they describe to you in the tutorial how like uh like certain like calming actions can quote calm down all emotions within a one tile radius but it wasn't until i saw actually the little emotion moving across the screen and then and saw the split second zap coming from that like little tile like the the tile i'd placed down for doing painting or whatever those like oh that's what they mean by that so like the like yeah the understanding why placement matters it's because like negative emotions like are coming towards your brain from different directions and whatnot mm. So like um so you have to strategically place your defenses so that they intercept these emotions and things like that. Um but yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting a way of like uh you, uh use it, uh using like just the uh the different thought processes going on in the player character's head to to tell a broader story outside the player. 
mm -hmm. um, is really interesting. It, it's good. It, the, like the scenario I did, which is the, the, the titular one, the quiet sleep, was like a, a, a rather weird one, though. It, it starts out with, yeah, like a uh, uh, like immigrant moving to a new country and like trying to build a life there then like turns into sort of like an espionage thing as it turns out like he was brainwashed by his home country to like, a, to, like a, <laughs> to like oh. do spying for them on the down low and stuff I like that. I had no idea. See, I was I was unattracted, I think, up top because it's similar to a game that we played uh recently, Alex, the um the that we just talked about the the last word game where you're mm -hmm. taking these like rpg mechanics to uh to like play a conversation between two people and this taking like these tower defense mechanics in order to play like how a human brain inside interacts is like antithetical to kind of what i want to do when playing a game which is like i want these like kind of simple or complex things in order to demonstrate like something big and outside of my everyday experience and whenever it's like games that kind of fold inwards in your head mm -hmm. i have a hard time with those because that's not why i'm trying to play a video game frequently yeah feel that yeah it's um yeah it's it's very abstract and uh, certainly uh something i would say is not for everyone <laughs> like it's it's yeah. a, it's but it's a very interesting example i think of what games can do that isn't already being done on a on a large scale sure that's true yeah but in some ways it is like i mean like a tower def it's a tower defense game but i think actually the way the fact that you're saying that like this story plays out in a crazy way that i was not <laughs> expecting at all kind of makes me feel like i maybe didn't quite get into the nitty-gritty of this but in some ways that is because of how like unintuitive and yeah, difficult the... the controls and the like game mechanic system was i think yeah. this is sort of a perfect example of like mike is the she uh, he rather is like the the he's done like the work to actually be like okay let's actually engage with this uh, like on its own merits and figure it out and you and i are like as the casual gamers like hey bro can't figure this out <laughs> SDF, yeah, you like compelled to understand how it works and, i like, love that when man. it clicks it clicks but like yeah it is a very higher high barrier to entry to getting to that point yeah i think is what needs to be refined the most mm. Uh, um, I mean, I, I'm ready to, to, to pronounce judgment on it if you two are. Uh, go for it, Alex. Hey, I say play it, and it, maybe you're better than I am and, like, not quite as a, much of a dummy, and you'll get a lot out of it. Because what Mike just described sounds freaking awesome, and I want to check it out some. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a weird one. It's kind of janky. The aesthetic is there's no polish on this bad boy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard and it's complex, but if you uh, – like fucking weird stuff, go for it. This is a pass for me. Too uh, too many things that are just a not truly disdainful pass. If not... you like weird stuff, I freaking guess. You no, should go I for like. It. I don't know. I just building mechanics. Yeah, yeah. I think like when you take something and it's so like understated, but it's about like really kind of like you know sort of internalized you know like looking at your own brain and thought processes sort of things like i i that's not you got to get me a lot more like blips and beeps and bubbles if you're going to try to convince me to sort of head inwards sorry mm -hmm. 
No worries. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like I said, this is definitely like I, I agree. This is definitely not a game for everyone. I, I would call this a pretty niche one for me. It's for me. It's a play, though. It's given me a lot to think about as a game designer and as as far as the interaction between uh, narrative and gameplay goes. Um, and I think with with better onboarding and uh, and with a, a stronger interface, this could be something great. Um, and I'm interested to see, like, cause, like now that I understand, like, after having completed the first story, how it works to tell stories, I'm, I'm actually intrigued to go back and play the other two, like, um, scenarios that I didn't get the chance to here. One other detail that I noticed about the game, by the way, that I want to get in before we move on to the, the, the next game is I love how, like, um, this game, like, it's, it gives you the option to, like, every negative emotion that you can obtain in the game. Um, there is like an item that allows you to turn it into something positive. Like um, when you get a thing, like like certain events in the game, like cause pain generators to pop up that that like create like little pain molecule things. That um, but you can uh, turn that pain into empathy, which you can then use to achieve goals. Huh. Like you can turn like uh, fear and caution. You can turn into preparation, frustration. You can turn into energy, be sort of fueled by your frustration, kind of thing. Like I thought that that sent a really neat message. Yeah, I like that. Huh. Give me something to think about. I gotta check this game out again and just figure out like <laughs> what to click when. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, next game: Nonsense at Nightfall by Siegfried Crows, C R O E S. A 2D Game Boy style short single-player adventure puzzle description: One night you can't sleep and decide to take a sleeping pill. What happens next is unexpected. Nonsense at Nightfall is a short and absurd adventure game in Game Boy style. Explore and interact with your environment to find clues about where to head next. Originally made for Ludum Dare 35, warning, this game contains fast-flashing images. It may cause discomfort and trigger seizures for people with photosensitive epilepsy. Your discretion is advised. Uh, first of all, I love that they plugged that in there. I feel like you don't see that very much, uh, so that's great. Um, this is a charming little walk around, interact with the uh, world that you are sort of in. Um, I, I really like this game. I thought it was very simple and basic, and played it through in about a half hour. I never really had to work very hard to figure out the puzzles. and was just sort of charmed the whole time. What, what did you guys think? It's pretty much my thoughts exactly. Yeah, it, was, it was super cute, um, super funny. Um, yeah, not like, I'd say not much of a, a game there, but it didn't really need to be. No, I like right. it. Um, yeah, it was a short half hour experience. Didn't overstay its welcome or anything like that. I will say like when I first watched the trailer, when it just shows the the guy taking the sleeping pill, getting sick, screen getting wavy, cut to black, and that's where they end the trailer. I was one hundred percent sure this was going to be a horror game, and I was, yeah, really, totally. I was very glad to be wrong because I'm not super into horror. But... Although the idea of somebody making like trying to make a like actually scary horror like Game Boy looking game is yeah. such an incredible experience. Like it's an interesting challenge. I don't I wonder, know. I guess I'm Mario. Anytime I encountered ghosts in Mario, I got pretty scared. Mm, yeah. But yeah, this game, I think it's, it is very simple. It looks a lot like Game Boy. Uh, and, you know, I, I think once I kind of got what was going on, I was like, duh, I was done. So I was, I felt pretty like checked out pretty early on because it didn't feel like a game very much, right? Like it's exploratory <laughs> in some ways, but it doesn't feel like, um, like, you know, when when 
I'm playing something where there aren't really any um, repercussions for wrong choices. I think I, as far as a person who like plays games, can get pretty bored with that pretty quickly. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm -hmm. as soon as I go out a window and I'm trying to like look around and find windows to get into or whatever, when it's when I just have the option to just like test every single window and then you get into that window, I think that there's a little bit of, of me that's like, okay, then I guess why am I playing this? Like if this game is completely on the rails at it, like yeah. at its core, then why am I a part of uh, participating in it? Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's uh, totally fair, I think. Way to approach this. It, it reminded me, it, we played a couple of games that are like this, like the game Leave Oma, which is one that we played a few weeks ago, which is basically you're a kid walking around with your grandma in mm. the woods picking mushrooms. And yeah. there's nothing you can really do to it. The game is much more about sort of the vibe and the experience that's going on. So that to, this felt the same way to me. It's basically like a, a playable piece of short fiction. And it's just yeah. that question of like, were the, were the choices that got made enough to hold you in it? And for me, it was. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to talk too much about it because really the only thing, you know, this game's not hard. You can play it, but there, there's some of the transformations that are very fun and silly and fun, you know? Yeah. Like, it's great to go and run around like that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, the And the, there, there's an elevator in it, uh, which, spoiler, you can't interact with. But whenever yeah. you walk up to it as a new thing, it says, sorry, we can't have X in the elevator. And it always changes based on what you are. <laughs> that made me laugh. Smile. That's fun. That's yeah. cute. Yeah, I thought I figured out was like I thought I was like, ooh, this is a pretty clever puzzle. When I was when like like I think it was during the uh, after the second transformation, they're they're like, um, okay, where is somewhere I haven't been before? Hint hint. I was like, oh, the elevator was open to everything except the first thing I was transformed <laughs> I into. Exactly <laughs> so I go over there. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same thing. I was like, wow, this game is about to open the F up. Going outside, <laughs> down the like, no, 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 no. Um, Eric, did you beat it? No. <laughs> no, I got bored. I don't know. I turned into a mouse and I was like, really? I I don't feel like I, yeah, I'm done. I don't, I don't know. I just like, I wanted to. I don't know. I wanted to play something when I'm when it's too much a uh, visual narrative game. I think it's like, you know, I it's not. It's really got to grip me. Like I think the the balance between like narrative and gameplay has to you know has to hit that sweet spot right there. Otherwise, mm -hmm. at some point, I'm like, what am I playing? What I'm not be at least one and one as opposed to one and zero. Zero. <laughs> just like, oh, I'm just. I don't know. Like. Do you ever have that feeling where it's like I'm moving into a game and in some ways I am going to affect this game, right? Like it's like this game yeah. exists like in a stasis without me and I'm going to come in and I can interact with this thing and it'll be unlike any other way that it's been interacted with, right? Or whatever. And this game just feels like a closed loop that I'm kind of just sort of like popping in on to sort of experience and go for the ride and mm. and and for me in this case it was just sort of like oh okay yeah this is this is cute and uh and i and that was about it sorry alex i'm sorry what happens when you beat it <laughs> no i mean you should me. it'll take you a half hour just go for it 
but just tell me. Can you do the sound? There's a there's a part when you place an order for a pizza, and then the person who delivers the pizza is not something you're expecting. <sighs> and then uh-huh. that's all I'll say. That, it's, like, <laughs> it's fun. There's like other cool choices they made because it, you know the the writing the game is fine. Like it's it's mm-hmm. perfectly cute and fun for what it is. It's a small little game Game Boy game style game and. I don't know. I picked it up and had a lot of really nice feelings about that era of gaming and sort of the nostalgia of it. It just sort of disappeared into it for half hour. It moved to a nice clip. Not overstaying its welcome. It's a really good way to put it, Mike. I felt that mm. way about this. Um, does anyone else have any more thoughts they want to share about it? I don't know. Why wasn't it a Game Gear game? How come people don't make Game Gear games? <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody does this sure, like some homebrew scene out there. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, that is so fair. You've changed my opinion about this game. <laughs> All right, I'm a play on this. I say yeah, take it, take your, take the nonsense. If you're into nonsense at Nightfall, you know you're gonna love this game. If you're into nonsense at Nightfall, check out Nonsense at Nightfall. You like it, uh, Mike? What do you think? Um, it's also a play for me. Yeah, like a uh, short 30 minute experience doesn't take up a lot of time, and it's cute and funny for what it is. Yeah, fine. I'll be a play. Fuck you guys. I'm a play. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's cute. You do your thing. If you want to show up and like, kind of hear a little silly, goofy little story for a little bit, go ahead and play it. But if you want to play an actual game, <laughs> you got to go to Abomination Tower. I think. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not calling. You want to play an actual game when you're with someone? Check out Temple Scramble. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for doing the pod. Oh, absolutely. Glad to. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, are there any places that, uh, I mean, we talked about Twitch. Where can people find you on Twitch? Where can folks find you online? Any games or anything, projects you want to plug? So, uh, sure. Yeah. The, so, yeah, you can, the best place probably to find me is at Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash birdwords. You can also watch me never post on Twitter at uh, <laughs> underscore birdwords because regular birdwords was taken. <laughs> um and um yeah the right now what i'm working on the so the game development project i'm working on right now i recently started my first like longer term project since temple scramble um mm-hmm. i started experimenting with um 3d a little bit more so right now i'm making a uh racing game where you play as a bird um cool. so flying based racing game which i think is a sort of a rare crossover except with the exception of uh diddy kong racing but i think <laughs> i can uh um sort of modernize it um and uh get some cool. satisfying flight controls in there and stuff where yeah, uh we're in the, where we're in the, the very early stages okay you're very yeah. early cool um yeah the, i this was just this past stream was my uh uh third uh de- development session of it so like uh so yeah still just to, like working out the kinks and the physics and stuff that's cool amazing well thank you so much and uh Hope to play another one of your games. Do you have any other games in the bundle or anything like that that we might stumble upon? Um, nothing else in the bundle. I do have other uh, game jam entries. Oh yeah, uh, itch.io or birdwords.itch.io. I think is how itch.io URLs are formatted. You can or play some of the other games I've submitted to. Um, some of the other games I've submitted. I think the first four in my list there are the good ones. Uh, <laughs> good. That's the <laughs> right way that, to it do it. Like, uh, <laughs> Um, that it comes like uh, less uh, fleshed out demos and stuff. And there is still one I've yet to post to there too that I made for a uh, 
uh, jam about uh, a proc jam about procedural generation. Funnily enough, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, my first, my first actual 3D game release where you're going through a procedurally generated space station. But the, um, but yeah, ended up very bare bones, but still probably going to submit it as is. Cool. Um, um, when uh, when your game is uh, playable, let us know. I'd love to play it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, baby, that was great. Oh, Alex, I think that you and I are getting really good at this. I wholeheartedly agree, Eric. Um, really fun episode. Thanks for being on, Mike. Um, our guest next week is Rashawn Scott, an oh. actor, comedian, singer, and podcaster based here in L.A. Folks, she's friggin' delightful. If you don't know her, you know, to know her is to love her, and you're about to know her very much. Yes. Uh, super fun. Yeah. Um, what are the games? Are... Tell, the tell game. me what games. Give me them games, Daddy. <laughs> gamer Daddy. Come on, Gamer Daddy. The games are 12 Labors by Brendan McLeod, an interactive fiction visual novel. Please by Somewhat, a horror lo-fi walking simulator art game adventure. Six Match by ST33D or Steed, a pixel art match three swap puzzle. And MU ROM by Borbware, an 8 bit platformer exploration game that is a non violent Metroidvania. Oh, baby, what oh, games, God. what guests, and what guys we are. Uh, <laughs> stop by next time. Like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review there, please. Uh, we love the reviews and we want more of them. Um, you can find us down the web at bundle underscore buddies on Twitter. That's it, folks. Yeah, that's all she wrote, baby. Uh, that's all she wrote. Snap. Yeah. Mic drop. Snaps. Snaps. To be continued. Mm, I'm out of floating in the space, man. <laughs> Love you, Eric. Love you, Jack. Bundle Buddies is produced by Alex Honnett and Eric Roth. Our theme song is Neoshiki by Roll Music. Email bundlebuddiespodcast at gmail to say hi.